All right, Jesse, it's called Meet the Zor, but that's a lie. Not this time. Uh, we're going to talk about your journey into whether you franchise or not. But before we get there, and I say this all the time, tell me the franchise story. I don't want to know your franchise story because you don't have one yet. I want you to tell me your personal story. How do you even get to the place of finding a business and creating a business? Yeah, it's been it's been a fun journey. It's been eight or nine years. We actually started getting into the food world sort of by accident out of college. We were procrastinating getting jobs in finance and accounting and consulting, all that fun stuff. Ended up starting a small food business that sort of sent us down this path of launching a food truck in 2014 uh, in the Washington, D.C. area, which is a pretty competitive market for food trucks and built a brand there. And, you know, a few years into it, probably four or five years in, we were sort of deciding is it our time to get out and do something different? Because I think anyone who's listening to this probably knows how difficult the restaurant industry is running your own business. There's a lot of uh, you know, day-to-day -day just fires to put out, sometimes literally in a food truck or in a restaurant business. But we you know, had this moment of like, we're either going to get out or we need to double down and commit to something that we're excited about long-term. And we got excited about this idea of really making an impact on the food system. In our food truck days, we learned a lot about where our food is coming from and the sourcing, especially the meat got really into grass-fed, grass-finished beef and regenerative or uh, agriculture. So that's something that became important to us, especially as we continue to grow and supporting local bakeries, local farms, local producers. So we had this idea to go into and try to make truly a better fast food concept. We weren't trying to make this sexy, better burger concept where you spend $25 per person and a family struggles to eat there. We were trying to make something that's actually competitive with legacy QSR and fast food but using genuinely better ingredients. So we got a little slideshow here. This is great. So we do smash burgers and crispy chicken sandwiches. We make our own fries. Um, we do, you know, grass fed beef from a farm that we've worked with for five years. We get local buns that we're griddling fresh. So we really are trying to double down and create a really interesting, fun, unique, better fast food experience and company. And um, for us, you know, we've loved being in the restaurant industry, but what gets us excited is the long-term impact, giving more people better access to better food and also giving you know people opportunities that have their own business and be a part of this movement to um, you know build a brand that can support more farms, more better sourcing. So that all comes down to scale and size. And franchising has been something we've been exploring and learning about. And we feel like we're not fulfilling our mission unless we can grow and impact a lot of people and make a big impact in the food industry. So you know, franchising sort of been a natural thing for us. And maybe we'll get into as well. We started a potato manufacturing business to support our business that we're working on building as well. So we've got lots of things going on right now, but it's all in the interest of supporting a better supply chain, better food options out there for people. And we feel like going and growing Swizzler and making it a brand that's, you know, all over the, the Southeast, all over the East Coast, and eventually all over the country is a great win-win, something we're excited to be doing. So question for you, as, as you were talking about creating something that's better in the fast food space, I mean, the general education of the public would be count your calories. And it's not like you magically change the calorie count, but now that you've studied this, I mean, frankly, you could go to Subway, eat processed food and be perceived that you had low calorie, but the reality is you're actually doing worse for your body because of the food that you're putting in there. As you've studied this, and even though it just started as how do we avoid getting jobs, is it is that an is calorie in the future are calories not what's going to matter it's more so how the product was produced that your body is able to break it down better yeah so start for starters i don't try to play a doctor or nutritionist on the internet or you know pretend so this is a lot of it's qualitatively and stuff we've learned and we continue to keep learning i think as everybody is probably frustrated as as much as we are is like 
the diets, the fads, the things you hear online, whether it's from doctors or, you know, people and influencers, it changes every day. So we've tried to take a pretty intuitive approach. And I think the way I think about food, the way people in our, our business think about food, my business partner and I, Ben, um, we think about quality over quantity. I think calories are obviously a function of, you know, weight and things. So like there is some math equation of like, if you're working out and burning this amount of calories and you're eating a lot more, or a lot less, like that's going to have an impact about how your body composition works. But I think for us, what we care about is nutrient density and nutrient quality. And that all goes back to where your food is coming from, how it's grown. So whether that's meat or vegetables, there's lots of crazy stats that I don't have off the top of my head um, for today, but like the nutrient density and quality of our food is so different than it was 50 years ago. I think there's some crazy stats of like eating one orange 50 years ago, your grandparents were eating is the equivalent in like vitamin C is like 15 oranges today. And that's a lot of it's a function of just how we produce food in our system. And this conventional centralized agriculture system, it did a good job of getting people calories and like, quote unquote, you know, feeding the nation. But I think the more we learn about, there's just a lot of ways you can do things in a way that I think just makes sense from a common sense standpoint to everybody of like, you go to your local farmer's market, you shake your farmer or your producer's hand, you know where it's coming from. You want to eat food that someone is willing to feed their family. It's not getting sprayed with chemicals. It's not, um, you know, getting animals aren't getting slaughtered every minute on the minute. You know, it's a little bit of a slower process. And that's the kind of stuff that we're trying to support. So when it comes to nutrition and things like we're not trying to be a health food concept, we think of progress as better than perfection and not trying to convince people to become vegan or to not eat, you know, high fructose corn syrup. And we've tried doing all cane sugar syrups and not using the Cokes and things, but we've tried to toe the line of being practical. And these are the things we know are better. And we want to double down on like regenerative grass fed beef, you know, locally baked buns, making our own French fries. Like we really like take pride in that. And we feel like as we get scale, as we get bigger, we can continue to get better. We can continue to get people to just eat a higher quality meal and what we found, like our team who eat, works for us, like they'll find when they eat with us all the time, you know, daily, when you eat a burger at Swizzler and a fry and even get a, a lemonade or something like that, there's sugar, there's things in it, but you don't feel weighed down and feel like you need to take a nap and feel terrible. And I think that really is just a function of not having preservatives, not having um, all this other junk in our process system. And for folks who are just newer to thinking about food, like the simplest thing I've heard, which is really great, is it's not always about what you eat. Sometimes it's about what you eat, ate. So you know, grass-fed, grass-finished beef, where the cows are actually eating the food that they, you know, evolutionary, evolutionarily were designed to eat, that makes a lot more sense than them getting put in a feedlot, getting fed grain and corn and stuff they can't digest, getting inflamed, getting sick, getting pumped with antibiotics. Like, when you just kind of go down the rabbit hole and learn about what's actually happening behind the scenes to get that package of meat on your grocery store shelf, um, I think a lot of the answers are just like kind of going with your intuition and doing what you think makes sense. And that's what we're trying to make easier for people because as a business, we're buying a thousand pounds of beef a week. We can get competitive prices and try to work directly with farms and directly with producers to try to get the highest quality food at the best possible price. And we're not going to have the dollar menu. We're not going to be dollar to dollar competitive with folks who are buying from this completely centralized system. But we found a way to be really competitive on price, but we think create a lot of value for our customers and has kept people coming back for more and more. And it's, you know, gotten us excited to continue to bring this experience to other parts of the country. I want to switch over to the viability of the franchise opportunity. And obviously you're looking at how do we franchise? I'll say the, the brand looks beautiful. Thanks. I'm going to start, going to start with an example because um, I think it's important for me to share this and then you can give comments. Um, we have a former client. Uh, they franchise their business, beautiful brand, product was fantastic. 
uh, and I had a conversation with them and they, they were not selling franchises. And I said, well, let's look at the viability of your, of your business. And he goes, well, we did, we did $1.5 million last year with one of our locations. I said, that's great. So what's your, what's your net percentage? He goes, 10% net. I said, great. You made $150,000. That's got to feel really good. The build that wasn't a lot. You were able to bootstrap. I said, can a franchisee bootstrap? He goes, no, they got to follow our brand standards. I go, great. So the build out is what? He goes, you know, somewhere in the range of 400,000. I said, okay. Um, I said, and you, it took you how many years to get to 1.5 million? He goes, oh, it took us four years. I said, okay. So in first year, what would you expect? He goes, I don't know, somewhere in the range of six to 800,000. I said, fair, fair number. Um, I said, so your fees to your franchisee would be what? It goes all in with tech and marketing at 7%. I said, great. So your franchisee is going to make 3% on a million five. So their payback on their initial investment will be 12 years and they haven't made a penny. Well, when you put it that way, and so I share that because oftentimes it's really hard to engineer like it's, it can be a great corporate business but it's really hard to engineer a franchise business when i share that is that something that you're thinking about in the sustainability of your business before you even get to the starting line of saying maybe i franchise this thing yeah and i think that's a lot of the stuff that we took the time to educate ourselves on i think one big benefit of coming into the restaurant industry which is really challenging with not a lot of experience is that we were forced to kind of like ask a lot of the stupid questions early on. Like it brings me back to being in our first food truck kitchen and, you know, asking someone how to clean a fryer, or like how to caramelize an onion stuff. That would be a no brainer for someone who's a lifer in the industry and done this stuff for a while. So we've had that curiosity and questions asking part of us sort of in our DNA from day one. And we've connected with some really great people in the industry. Uh, funny enough, like Twitter is such an amazing place. We have these accounts and people kind of like, you can DM them and talk to people who have 50 franchises and we'll give you their opinion on it. So we've thought a lot about the unit economic model we think a lot about the cash on cash returns. I think for us, like we're right now in that process of coming out of COVID, finally establishing the right levels of sales and cost of goods sold and labor to have something that is sustainable and can support great margins, not only for our business, but something that we can scale and grow and still be able to allow somebody to open a business, make their 15% EBITDA, um, be able to pay back their build out in three to five years and be able to have a business that can continue to grow with them. So I think that's why right now we're not actively out there selling franchises. We're not in the business of just selling a hundred of these things and saying, good luck, you know, but we want to make sure that if we're getting people to align with our mission and be a part of this and try to grow it, it needs to be something that when they put money in, they expect to get it out. So we're trying to build something that is definitely financially sustainable as much as we care about environmental sustainability and nutritional sustainability as well. Um, so that's all stuff that we're working through and working with folks to continue to expand our margins to continue to raise our sales um, one interesting thing about our brand story, I, I kind of glossed over, but when we launched our first restaurant, we come out of food trucks, we built up a little bit of momentum, 2018, 2019, we signed our first lease. We were getting ready to open our first restaurant right next to Nat's ballpark in Washington, DC for folks that know the area. And we were getting ready to open in April or May, 2020. So we're building our store when COVID hit. Um, so we got a very great humbling lesson of, you know, being resilient, fighting things through, making it work, seeing what it's like running a struggling restaurant, which is very difficult to do. And, you know, we powered through, we made it happen. We survived and came out the other side. Today, we have the one same location. We're also in um, six locations in some of the big stadiums near us. We've got some experience doing some of this capital-like growth and getting good exposure for the brand. But all that being said, like we've been there, we've run a small business for a long time. 
And we want to make sure this isn't something you sign up for and you're then the labor yourself for you to make it all work. You're the general manager, you're mopping the floors. So, you know, before we sell our first franchise, it's going to be something where our FDD is all buttoned up. Our unit economic model is something where we know that there's opportunities to, instead of spending a ton of money on marketing, we spend that money on our food costs to make sure we're investing on the quality of ingredients that we care about. But we feel really strongly that in the place in the space that we're competing in that we could be one of these high volume concepts that goes out and is doing the AUVs of some of these bigger QSR concepts. Yeah. And, you know, I think Nick, you've probably seen that when you get to a certain level of sales, some of these other things shake out and really can help drop money down to the bottom line when it comes to your rent and your labor and all these other things. So I think for us, it was really important. Step one, establishing the brand, making sure it's something that can drive that top line volume and make really happy customers and get great reviews. Right now we're in this refinement period of making sure we're buttoning up our supply chain that meets our spec standards around quality, but also is something that is reasonable and practical when it comes to making sure the margins are in a place that this business can be something that grows and that people are excited to be a part of, not just because they want to be a part of some like new cool way to do things in the burger and fried chicken space, but because also it's a financially um, something that they're incentivized to make some money too, because we know that's an important part of this business. Yeah. When I talk with, uh, emerging franchisors a little bit further down down the line they've already franchised their business they've spent some money maybe on on some franchise initiatives uh the term that i would say typically comes up is disappointed so if i take that term and i go back to where you are now and if i were to ask them why they're disappointed they're like i couldn't figure out which way was up and which way was down what vendors are right what vendors are wrong and who's just trying to take my money so i go all the way to the to where you're at how do you build a governor to protect you? How are you checking check and balances when you're going through and trying to find who's who's my uh, who's my team to help me do this right? Yeah, I mean, I think one piece of it is like the school of hard knocks is a very good teacher. And we over the years have used all sorts of different vendors. We've tried to go really direct with different relationships. We've tried to use like larger parties. So we've done a lot of the kind of ups and downs and bumps and bruises along the way and learned a lot of these lessons the hard way. I think we've established a really great supply chain in our area and we found, you know, certain regional distributors, for example, more of these mid-market guys are really great fit for us because we're a good customer for them and they're a great partner for us and they can do things for us like bring in certain products that we care about and they call line, lines up. Um, I think part of this whole process of getting up and rolling for franchising, to your point, is building a great team. So we are in the process of trying to find some great folks on the operation side and the marketing side, um, finding people that are really aligned from a mission standpoint and also bring this expertise and experience from the industry and trying to take all the good things and throw out some of the bags. I think, you know, there's a sense in probably most businesses I can only speak from our experience in food is that you find that, you know, an example, you hire someone off the, off the street to come and work in your kitchen and learn the ropes from the inside out versus somebody maybe working for one of these other big restaurant chains for a long time. Like sometimes people come in with like, well, this is the way I've always done things. I think that's something we've done a pretty good job of is that, we try to take these things out of first principles level. We try to really think about what is the Swizzler way? What is the right way that we think? We test it. We always take feedback from our team, from people around it. We just try to come up what is the best way to do it. And then we're going to double down on that. So we've tried to take this iterative process. We've learned a lot of things the hard way. I think when you look at our, you know, where we're at today, it's been eight or nine years of slogging through it in a lot of ways and learning a lot of this stuff. So we could have gone out and done some of these things three or four years ago, but we feel like we've gone purposely a little bit slower to make sure we feel like we have that 110 confident, 110% confidence level um, to be at a point where we feel like things are very buttoned up. 
we're in a good spot. And I think when we do get out into this franchising world, we are hoping to find some groups and people that have been there. They've been in some of these bigger organizations. They know some of the stuff to look out for and the red flags. And hopefully, you know, we can work side by side as partners and say, hey, we're not like the other guys. We're not anybody else. We want you to be successful. We want this brand to be successful. Right. Let's hear about the things that we can avoid together and let's work together. And, um, you know, we try to be real people and real faces on the other side of the business where you can call us up, but we're going to figure out the best way to do it. I know some of the biggest innovations in organizations like McDonald's, the Big Mac, you know, breakfasts, some of these things came from the franchisees. It's not just this top-down approach. So I think for us, we've always took recruiting uh, as a really big part of what we do, whether it's for a team member or a general manager, or anybody in our organization. And we feel really strongly about building a great team, you know, internally for our franchisor and then eventually for our franchisee groups coming in. This isn't just handing them out to whoever's got a check in their hand. It's finding people that are the right fit and that are going to help us grow this brand the way that's going to be, you know, allowing us all to be successful long-term. Love it. What's the dream? Where, uh, where do you go from here? Yeah. I mean, I think for us, like I try not to get too far ahead of ourselves because I think we came up in this kind of black swan COVID moment where like, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, tomorrow or next year, let alone 10 years from now. Yeah. I think for us, for Swizzler, we feel like it's a really strong brand and that it should be, you know, everywhere that some of these big QSR concepts are in the short term, we feel really strongly about growing in the Southeast kind of between DC and Atlanta. Uh, we feel like it's a really strong market that's kind of itching for something like what we're doing, like a regional burger chain. We feel like starting in a little bit of a more concentrated area aligns well with our ethos and how we think about regional sourcing and building a really strong supply chain and great profitability across the organization. And so I think, you know, getting to our first 50, 100, 150 units in one general region of the country, and then being able to sort of take all the things we've learned in that time period and replicate it other places and take a region by region approach is how we feel like is a great way to be, you know, growing, making lots of progress, growing the business, uh, but not doing this whole like, let's open a thousand units next year approach and trying to spray and pray and then sell the business. You know, that's not a win-win for anybody. It's sort of just dumping a concept on somebody and uh, so walking away with a bag of money if it all works out that way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've spent a lot of time building this thing up and we're emotionally attached to our brand and our business we've built and the impact that we can have. We've actually gone and met the farmers. We've toured the bakery. We've visited the creamery. Like we know that every dollar we're spending with some of these amazing partners we have is actually going towards creating great jobs and great nutritional food and supporting people doing things the right way. So that's what gets us out of bed in the morning and, you know, finding a team of people internally with our franchise as partners customers that are excited about the, having this thing that they had at a stadium game in their hometown. Um, that's all the stuff that gets us really excited. So we feel like sky's the limit, but we try to take like a, an A, we're here. I know what B looks like and I know what Z looks like, but like between there, like I don't want to make too many assumptions. We'll kind of take it by year and we'll continue to grow and ask good questions and be curious along the way. If you back cast from this moment back to when you started, do you expect to be here? Do you expect to be farther? Where, where would you have expected I think we probably would have expected to be further in a lot of ways, but like we probably would have gone further and done something wrong. Like I think, uh, I think we probably underestimated the amount of hard work and all the things that go into it. Yeah. And when we came into it, it was sort of like, we could probably copy and paste what other people are doing. Um, I feel really proud of where we landed that I think we've gone our own way. We've made mistakes. We could have definitely done things better, but I feel like we've ended up in a spot where we feel really strongly about like, what our mission is as people, what our mission is as a company. We feel great about the culture and the team we've built. Um, so yeah, maybe a little slower and wasn't expecting to have a little COVID hiccup for 24 months of craziness. Um, but all that being said, I'm very happy where we landed today and 
I think with our, our restaurant brand and our potato manufacturing business, there's like lots of interesting things I wouldn't have expected myself to be doing now in my career. And uh, I couldn't be happier. It's been great. It's awesome. I mean, my, my recommendation to you is take that answer and think about it as it relates back to franchising, seeing too many franchisors, uh, not, and it's not wrong to dream big. I can get you to a hundred units. If I go one to two to four to eight to 16 to yep. 32 to 64, you're, you're there over the course of five years. Most brands don't take that approach. They say, we're going to have a hundred in the first year or first two years. Um, and if they were to bag cast in that moment, they're like, oh crap, we should have made some different decisions to make sure that we were just stacking the deck. So yeah. take what you look learned as a business owner here, cross apply that backwards. I think it'll have tremendous uh, impact on, on where you go. But look, this is the start of this. I, I look forward to you actually going through franchising, uh, doing this again. And this will turn into like the, the diary of a franchisor because we'll be able to watch your growth as you continue to go on. So yeah, we'll have to do some, some live podcasts along the way and just do a little check-ins and see where we're at. But also one thing I just wanted to plug quickly, if anyone is in this franchise space, especially in food, if you are looking for really good French fries, it's something we pride ourselves on at our location. We're building out the infrastructure for ourselves to scale ourselves internally. But uh, it's something we've learned a lot about that supply chain and that business. And we're actually building our own manufacturing facility and our own French fry business uh, to try to give people like that high quality hand cut fry. It makes it easier for you. We know how hard it is to run restaurants. So we're trying to make it easier for chefs and people in the space. So if anyone's interested, everyone wants to learn more about what we're up to, they want to buy some fries. They want to be along the ride um, with what we're doing on the franchising side of the business. Um, yeah. My email is wide open. It's jesse at swizzlerfoods.com. Find me on Twitter, jesse underscore Koenig. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been great talking to you, man. This has been an awesome time and look forward to, to keeping on with the journey love the fry comment. Uh, I don't know that anybody's owned that from a branding standpoint uh, or has been open source in the way that they approach it. I think that's uh, that's an interesting thing. So uh, I'll keep that in the back of my mind too for some of our restaurant brands that might be looking for a supplier. So yeah, and it's pretty much like three giant companies that own the whole yeah, industry right. right now. So yeah, it's from trying to give some people a different option out there. But they're they're unbranded. I mean, the reality is like if you think through Heinz Ketchup, you can you can instantly come up with brand names, but yep. they're they're not like relevant back to the consumer. So it's an interesting play. I love it. So Jesse, awesome conversation for Jesse. I'm Nick. This was another episode of Meet the Zor with an asterisk. Meet the Zor eventually. Take care. Of the Zor of the future. Zor of the future. Thank you.